All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After the Final Whistle here on WSOE 89.3 FM, Elon Burlington. I am your host, Brad Clear, coming at you. It is Thursday, April 5th, um, here coming to you at Elon University. Um, shout out real quick to Angela Duckworth, gave a wonderful speech today at the um, Elon Spring Convocation. Um, talking about grit and whatnot. Um, it was very interesting, you know, an unusual topic um, that usually a lot of people don't dive into. So I enjoyed it. Um, so shout out to that. Um, it's always cool to be involved with the convocation, be a part of the academic procession uh, for the second year in a row. So, you know, it's just a nice little thing, uh, you know, to sort of show for your hard work. And it's, it's pretty gratifying as well, and you get to hear from a very insightful, intelligent smart speaker, so I can't complain. Um, here we are, 6 o'clock as usual, and after the final whistle, I am your host, Brad Clear. Um, and if you listen to this show, or if you don't listen to this show, you know that this Sunday is one of the biggest days of the year. Um, really, in all of sports and entertainment, this Sunday is WrestleMania 34 emanating live from New Orleans. Um, stacked card. Should be a great show. Um, so I guess through this show, it's basically going to be solely that. Going to dive into that, go through the whole card, preview and predictions, touch a little bit on NXT, which will be going down on Saturday night. Sorry for the lack of variety for this show, but for the magnitude of the show, it's got to be discussed. Um, whether you're listening now, listening before WrestleMania on later on podcast.com or afterwards. Um, again, WrestleMania is the mecca of the show or of, of wrestling and of sports and entertainment. So let's just dive right into the card. We'll get right into it. There are 13 announced matches. Um, likely will definitely will end up being 14. So let's just get right into it. Um, we'll start with the pre-show matches first. Um, we have... There's two battle royals and the cruiserweight championship match. We'll go with first for the um, the battle royal. First, there is the first ever uh, WrestleMania women's battle royal. Um, basically, every woman who is not competing in a world title match, um, we have uh, you know the likes of Becky Lynch, Naomi, Natalia, Absolution, Riot Squad. Anyone who is on the roster who is not in those two singles matches on the main card for the title, which I'll get into later. Or in that match. Um, as far as the winner of that match, I could really see it being a wide variety of individuals. Um, but the main story here, Sasha Banks and Bailey obviously have an enormous rivalry that has really come to a peak or a really high point um, recently. So they will be the main focus of this match. I very strongly suspect they will end up being the final two within this match. Um, and as far as who wins it, you know, I could really see being any of the two, but I'm going to say Bailey takes home the, uh, first ever, I guess we'll call it coveted, uh, WrestleMania women's battle Royal. Um, I think obviously this match, you know, you can't, there was, there's not enough time to add Sasha and Bailey as a singles match, but it is deserving of a, um, you know, being the central focus of a WrestleMania match or whatever. And that is what it's going to be here because the other women in the match, as talented as they are, 
they don't have the story going into it like Sasha and Bailey do. Um, I would suspect Bailey winning because the story here is more so um, how Sasha will respond to it. I think looking at um, the ten, looking at the storyline as a whole, Bailey's sort of been showing you know, a little bit of an edge. Finally, fed up with Sasha not being a great friend with her and whatnot. But obviously, Bailey winning uh, could and probably will serve as the catalyst to eventually to fully turn Sasha Banks heel and to really let that rivalry go full spring and you know have a pay per view match at Backlash coming out of WrestleMania. So Sasha and Bailey is your final two with Bailey winning in the first ever women's WrestleMania Battle Royal. Going to the men's, we have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which. We had the likes of Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, um, all the filler guys on the roster on either side. Um, Mojo Raleigh, last year's winner. We have Matt Hardy, maybe Bray Wyatt will be in there. Um, this match, as we saw last year, you know, it's a very unpredictable match. Mojo Raleigh won last year, basically just to get that little Gronk uh, celebrity plug going in. Um, if Rusev had been in this match, which he was up until two weeks ago, I would have said Rusev to win this match. I really have no idea who's going to win this match. But just based on, you know, getting a nice little good crowd reaction um, to start the show and whatnot, I think Matt Hardy, I could see definitely taking uh, home the win in this match. You know, look at the rest of the participants. Um, you know, you have Brizongo in there. You have Ty Dillinger in there. You'll have Titus Worldwide in there. Other baby faces, but no one who will be really of significance to the level that Matt Hardy, who had the ultimate deletion as great as it was in the main event of Raw two weeks ago, so, um, yeah, I'll go with Matt Hardy getting the win in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But, again, that match could basically go to anyone. It could always pull a surprise. There's been a little bit of rumors of, um, you know, they could put an NXT person in there. there. There could be a lot of different things in this match. Well, I'll go with Matt Hardy getting the win in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And then going on to, in my mind, a match that could end up being, regardless of it being on the pre-show or not, the best match on all of WrestleMania, and that is Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, first off, for those complaining about the match being on the pre-show and not the main show, look, 205 Live is great. It is a fantastic show. It has become arguably the best WWE show, and that's saying a lot because the both products, Raw and SmackDown, are fantastic right now. You're not putting that match ahead of any match that is on the main roster or on the main card right now. You're not putting it ahead of any of the title matches on the main card. You're not putting it against... There, there's no match that is on the main card right now that deserves to be on the pre-show. Them being on the pre-show is not a bad thing at all. People who have the network will watch the pre-show just as they would WrestleMania. If they're in the second hour, people on USA Network will get to watch it on national television. And by being on the pre-show, they'll get 15 minutes of time. They'll get much more time for this match than they would on the main card. There is no issue with being on the pre-show in the modern age of how the product is distributed on the network. Um, with that being said, this match is going to rule. It is going to be absolutely awesome. It's just two top competitors. No ill feelings with each other. They're just going at it to prove who is the best. The culmination of this awesome tournament that revitalized 205 Live to the great show that it is. Um, as far as who's going to win, I would, I think that Cedric Alexander is going to win. He has sort of been positioned as the top guy of 205 Live post-Enzo Amore um, since the revitalizing of the show. They were on Raw um, only a couple times, but the last time they were on Raw, a couple weeks ago, they did a tag match uh, with him and Ali against, um, I don't remember if they were against, I believe it was Nice and Davari. I could be wrong on that. 
Um, but Cedric was the only one who got a live televised entrance. He was going to get the title match with Enzo at the Royal Rumble before the whole debacle happened. I think Cedric's going to win this match. And Cedric is fantastic. He's a great, great in-ring performer. He's absolutely phenomenal. But it should be Mustafa Ali. I look at the two of them, both great in-ring babyfaces and whatnot, but you look at Ali's promo ability that's come out with his uh, self-produced Twitter promos and whatnot, how the crowds respond to the two, I think there's a little bit more of a connection with Ali in terms of, you know, he's fighting for he's he's fight he's he's fighting for multiple things. He's fighting for his young daughter. He's fighting to prove he's the best. He's fighting to prove anyone who's ever told no that they can rise to the top. And he's fighting to prove, you know, he's not the a guy who looks like him and has his name, as he said, does not typically get the babyface treatment that he is getting um, in his role on 205 Live. I think Cedric, as great of a wrestler as he is, when it comes to anything outside of the ring, can be, you know, a little generic. And again, that's no fault, but compared to Ali and him, Cedric's a little more, there's not much to connect to or latch on to as there is with Ali with those multiple components. Um, Again, you can't go wrong with the two, but if you had to pick one, or if I had to pick one, I would lean towards Ali. I'd rather, like, in terms of who should win, but I think Alexander will win. I think he will be a great champion. You know, you look at the roster on 205 Live, Buddy Murphy had an amazing match with Kalisto on Tuesday. He won a match the week before, so Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander as your title feud is fantastic. And again, this match is going to, for those who don't watch 205 Live, it's going to show is going to open a lot of eyes. It's going to be, including the main card, one of the best matches on the entire show. It is going to tear the house down, and regardless of who wins, it'll be a deserved victory. Um, I can't wait for this match, being someone who watches 205 Live every single week now. It's the culmination of this great show that has become what it is in the last um, two and a half months or so, or two months. So, very excited for this match. Um, now let's head to the main card. Um, there are, there's going to end up being 11 matches. Obviously, there's only 12 or 10 announced. Um, we know that John Cena and The Undertaker is not announced. Um, you know, let's get into that first. John Cena and The Undertaker, one of the most interesting ways of building the story and building the WrestleMania match in some time. Um, starting off, obviously, with the John Cena being desperate to get the WrestleMania storyline. And just the way, you know, every single week he comes out, he calls out The Undertaker, he, inf- he calls him derogatory things, calls him an egomaniac and whatnot. He gets him to sort of appeal to fan- the side of the fans, supporting him for so many years, and Undertaker not being willing to show up. Um, he taking cut uh, shots at his manhood. Again, Every possible way to get Undertaker to show up, and he is not. And the anticipation to see Undertaker and John Cena square off now, as a result of about four weeks, five weeks or so, of John Cena calling him out and him not coming and showing up, is unbelievable. Um, Obviously, Cena is saying that he's going to go to WrestleMania as a fan. We all know that's not happening. We've known that Cena and Undertaker is going to happen for a very long time. It is going to be... So cool when he gets in the ring, gets on the mic, and gets the crowd to, as he's done the last few weeks, gets them, will there be 75,000 people or so in the crowd, to summon The Undertaker, to chant for him and whatnot, to get him to show up. It's going to be an incredible moment and spectacle just to see all the amount of uh, chanting for him that'll go on, and just the cold. Every time he does it, every single week, it is so cool to see how the crowds chant for The Undertaker and long and want him to be there so badly. And when he finally comes out this Sunday, whether he's um, his normal dead man Undertaker or if he's the American um, 
I don't know if I could say it on the show, but the American Badass Undertaker. You can say anything that you want, regardless of the type of Undertaker that he is. The anticipation to see him is through the roof, and it's going to be very, very, very special when he comes out and him and John Cena face off in what is a match that, sure, it probably should have happened at an earlier WrestleMania, and if it was not for Cena getting hurt, would have happened at WrestleMania 32. But again, it's a legendary match that has not happened yet between two of the greatest of all time at WrestleMania. You can't complain about it. Who cares if Undertaker had that great retirement, pseudo-retirement little angle at the end of WrestleMania last year. It's John Cena and The Undertaker, and the way it's been built up, it is monstrous anticipation. As far as when the match actually goes down, I think Undertaker takes the win here. Um, I don't think he's done with this match. Um, He's gotten a hip replacement. He's got himself into shape. I think he's going to definitely stick around. I think he'll be at WrestleMania next year. Um, John Cena can lose whatever he's going to go and do his um, non-wrestling projects, acting stuff and whatnot, and he can come back, and it'll be fine. The Undertaker, if he loses again at WrestleMania, what's the appeal in seeing him come back year after year after year when he's older, he's lost multiple times, it doesn't really exist anymore if he loses again. So I think The Undertaker gets the win, you know, they shake hands or whatever after the match. It'll be a great match because John Cena will get a fantastic match out of The Undertaker. I think this will be a better Undertaker than the one that we saw last year as well. So... One of the most highly anticipated matches of the entire show. A legendary dream match. Cannot wait for the moment where he calls out The Undertaker and he finally answers the crowd's pleas. So, Undertaker gets the win there. It'll be incredible when he finally does. Um, another thing that I would expect to happen, and which would be very cool, something I've been anticipating for so long, non-match as a segment, you know, Elias does not have a match at WrestleMania. He is going to you know, put on a performance at WrestleMania as he does every single week on Raw. When he does that, I fully expect The Rock to come out and for them to have a confrontation, encounter, whatnot. Um, And again, when that happens, you know, that is a moment that everyone will have been longing to see for so long. The Rock obviously was not at WrestleMania last year, and The Rock did all of his Rock concerts for so many years. Him coming out, getting in Elias' face, having a promo battle with him, and then... You know, him probably laying out Elias. I, I've i been wanting it to happen for so, so long, and it's going to be so cool when it does. Maybe even Jeff Jarrett gets involved as well if we're getting very musical with the segment. But you know Elias, as great as he is, he's getting that big-time performance at WrestleMania, and you know that The Rock is going to show up. Um, so that's going to be a very big-time, very fun-to-watch segment as well. All right, so let's get back into the matches here. Um, we'll start with the tag titles. We'll go Raw first. Cesaro and Sheamus taking on Braun Strowman and an unannounced partner. First off, Braun is the man. He is just absolutely awesome. He gets in there, he creates havoc, an absolute monster, destroys everything, creates a lot of carnage. You, if you, you can't not like him. He's the best. He's fantastic. Um, and it's cool that, you know, he. it's obvious that he doesn't need a partner. It's obvious he can beat Cesaro and Sheamus on his own. But again, he needs the partner to have the match. Um... And the fact that it was not announced who his partner was on TV on Raw in the last um, the last two three shows would indicate to me that I don't think it's going to be you know a returning from injury guy like a Samoa Joe or you know a big cast or a big show you know that would be very underwhelming that you could have just had that announced on Raw to save it to WrestleMania means that it has to be a significant name a significant surprise so. I think his partner, coming back to WWE for the first time in, oh, what is it, uh, three and a half, three years or so, I think Hulk Hogan is going to be his partner. 
Again, Braun can win the match on his own. Hogan could come in his signature spots. You know, they pose together and whatnot. But I think Braun Strowman and his mystery partner Hulk Hogan take the tag titles from Cesaro and Sheamus. If it is not Hulk Hogan, other names I could see. Um, I could potentially see Batista being his partner, you know, because it just has to be a big name individual. It cannot be, you know, a basic, not there's anything wrong with them, but you can't be a guy on the Raw roster if they were going to be saved till WrestleMania. It has to be a significant surprise. So I'm saying Hogan gets the win and the modern day Hulk Hogan, Braun Strowman and Hulk Hogan himself can pose for the crowd and whatnot in what will be a true WrestleMania moment. I mean, who doesn't want to see Braun Strowman and Hulk Hogan pose together? That would be so, so cool. Um... Eventually, the Cesaro Champions will get it back. Obviously, Braun Strowman and Hulk Hogan, or whoever it is, are not going to be a long-term team because Braun is Braun. He's fantastic. Um, and he'll be a bit, he is one of the top four or five singles guys in the whole company. But again, just a cool WrestleMania moment that'll happen for Braun, regardless of who his partner is. But I think it'll be Hulk Hogan. They'll have that fantastic moment together. Um, heading over to SmackDown, this tag title match is going, this could be the best match on the show. Um, Triple threat tag match, the Usos, New Day, and Bludgeon Brothers. Again, every time the Usos and the New Day step in the ring together, it's magic. They don't have a bad match. They're incapable of it. They have incredible chemistry, incredible matches every single time. And with the extra motivation of it being WrestleMania, the Usos being on the card for the first time, you know they're going to bring it to an extreme A-plus level. The Bludgeon Brothers, again, anytime they interact with the New Day or Usos, again, they, they are in this imposing sinister dominant threat to the tag titles they just destroy everything and it's awesome you put the three of them in the ring together at Wrestlemania you know the first Wrestlemania that Harper and Rowan will be competing as a team at you know they were together at Wrestlemania 30 but they were not competing they were at ringside with Bray Wyatt um, the Usos they have been on the WWE roster for 9-10 years at this point this is their first and as it's been mentioned on TV the first main roster or main card match they've had at Wrestlemania as well and then the New Day, again, one of the top acts in the entire company, who they've only, you know, they hosted WrestleMania last year. They had the match the year before. So this is only their second match as a unit at WrestleMania also. So again, two, the two best teams in the whole company, the newest, probably one of the coolest things going in the whole company in the Bludger Brothers. This would be an awesome triple threat tag. I fully, fully expect the Bludger Brothers to get the win here. Um, it's obvious they've been building to this point with having them get the tag titles at WrestleMania. They've destroyed everything in their path. They have not lost. Um, the Usos have held the titles. You know, since they traded them back and forth with the New Day over the late summer, early fall, but they basically more or less held them for about 10 months at this point. So I, I fully expect one of the Usos and New Day to transition to Raw after WrestleMania, but that match between these three teams is going to be exceptional. You have two teams who have a killer match every single time. You add in an incredible dimension to the Bludger Brothers. Creates magic. That's what's going to happen here. I think the Bludger Brothers get the W. And again, you know, maybe they have a rematch with the Usos. You know, who comes over from Raw? Maybe Cesaro and Sheamus. Maybe Sanity or AOP from uh, NXT come to SmackDown or whatnot. But the Bludger Brothers, the tag champions, is going to be super cool. When finally they are beat by someone, that is going to be a special moment. And it all starts with an awesome match that's going to happen in WrestleMania that has a lot of meaning to all three teams in the match. So... If this match ends up being the best match of the night on the entire show, it would not surprise me one bit. Alright, so now we'll go to the women's title matches. Um, from Raw, we have Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax and SmackDown Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. Um, simply put on the Raw one, 
Nia Jax is going to win this match, and she is going to squash Alexa Bliss. If you have an 11-match card, you know, and again, the network doesn't have restrictions on time, but it'll, you would suspect it would be, you know, four and a half, four hours, 45-minute show for 11 matches, all the entrances and segments and whatnot. You need to have one short match. I don't see this match going more than two minutes. You know, Alexa will try to evade her whatnot in the beginning. Nia is going to squash her, get the win, and it'll be something cool until Ronda Rousey obviously beats her. But, you know, Nia Jax has this comfortable in your skin, um, you know, who cares what you look like, you're beautiful however you are, as a babyface champion. I think that's very cool. And Alexa Bliss had a great title run. Again, 10 months as cha- or 11 months as champion. Be interesting to see what happens with her, whether she goes to SmackDown, she stays on Raw, feuds with uh, someone else, but Nia Jax gets the win here in what I think will be the shortest match on the card at most two and a half, three minutes. Um, and then going to Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. Regardless of your opinion on either woman in this match, this is probably the, you could argue it's one of the biggest uh, women's matches in the history of wrestling and the history of WWE. You know, obviously the women's Royal Rumble was huge. Obviously, Sasha and Bayley um, were he was huge. The series of matches Charlotte and Sasha had, the women's playing the bank match, women's elimination chamber, big marquee matches. But again, Charlotte Flair, basically the top woman in the entire company, and Asuka, who has not lost. The two most dominant women in the entire company who have never faced each other before, being positioned as one of the top four, five matches on the entire show, you know, this is going to get a lot of time. It's going to have... It's going to be very late in the show. It's going to be one of the main event level matches. This is the biggest match, one of, as I said, in all of women's uh, wrestling history. Um, As far as who wins, obviously Asuka gets the win here. She's not losing this undefeated streak at WrestleMania. She's going to keep it going for a little while longer, um, or a good while longer. We shall see. Um, But the interesting dimension here is Carmella with the Money in the Bank briefcase. It's pretty obvious with how much is being hinted at that she will end up coming out in some form to attempt to cash in at WrestleMania. Um, I personally am not a fan of the streak just because I think it hampers what you can do with anything she's involved with, like the Mixed Match Challenge where she had to win because it counted for her streak. So I personally, I would just have Carmella cash in and the streak, then Asuka can just destroy her right after. But I think what will happen is Carmella will come out and attempt to cash in on whoever wins the match. I think it will be Asuka, and I think she's going to lose. Um, so, you know, probably you wouldn't desire to have that happen for the first women's money in the bank cash in, but they've kind of put themselves in a corner where Asuka is the long-term champion of SmackDown, um, and there's really no window for Carmella to be champion like there was when Natalia uh, got the title. But again, this is going to be a fantastic match between two elite competitors, um, you know, the dominant queen and the dominant undefeated Asuka. Again, I expect it 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes even. Fantastic match between the two. Um, be interesting to see sort of, you know, because neither one is a heel in this scenario, but if you look at Charlotte, she works better as a heel, so maybe she takes the heel role in the match. But again, just two top competitors competing to see, almost like the Cruiserweight title in the sense, it's just two top competitors who have respect for each other, trying to determine who is the best of the two. And in my mind, I think Asuka takes the title. Charlotte, we'll see what happens from there. But Asuka is going to be the champion with no doubt, and she's winning this match, keeping her undefeated streak going at WrestleMania. 
keeping the theme going of the two title matches together, we'll go with the two mid-card titles now. From Raw, we got a triple threat, Miz defending the Intercontinental Championship against Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. I think this is going to be the best match on the entire show. Whenever Seth Rollins and Finn Balor step in the ring together, it is magic. We saw it this past week on Raw. We've seen it any time that they step in the ring together. Like at SummerSlam um, in 2016. Yeah, 2016, that's right. They fought for the Universal Championship. These two guys are two of the top in-ring guys in the entire company. The Miz is very good also. And he is the perfect heel foil to have the two baby faces up against. And again, it's a simple story. You know, the Miz is this heel everyone wants to beat up. And these two guys want to beat him up. And they both want to be championed. And they're going for the same goal. Two guys create magic together. The Miz is fantastic as well. Combine all of those elements and you get an elite top-notch match. Um... I think Finn Balor is taking this title. I look at Seth Rollins and I see someone who is going to be in the world title picture coming out of WrestleMania. Because obviously WrestleMania, you get sort of jammed at the top for spots for um, some of your top full-time guys. There's no room for him in a big marquee match. You know, this is still a big-time match, but not as on the main event level, like a universal title, WWE title, or a Triple H level match. But I think Rollins ends up either going to SmackDown, facing the WWE champion there, or is one of the top guys on Raw coming out of WrestleMania. So I don't see him winning you know, the mid-card championship. Whereas Finn Balor, I don't see him being put in the position. Well, first off, I don't see him leaving Raw. And second off, I don't see him being put in the position to compete for uh, the world title level titles, like the Universal title and WWE title. The Miz has held the championship. You know, He's lost it to Dolph Ziggler in their feud last fall. He lost it to Dean Ambrose for a little bit, lost to Roman Reigns for a little bit. But more or less, it's been the last two years he has had the Intercontinental Championship. I, he's definitely going to take time off because him and Reese have just had a kid, so congrats on that. Um, but maybe it's time for something new with Miz, you know, outside of the Intercontinental Championship. You know, with Daniel Bryan being cleared, which we'll get to in a little bit, the story is there. They have extreme animosity for each other. That is a match that has to happen. So it's a very strong possibility he ends up on SmackDown, and as such, he can't retain the Intercontinental Championship. Um I think Finn Balor would be cool for him to have the title. I think he's a great uh, Intercontinental Championship type. You know, put him against the like of when he comes back. Jason Jordan would be a great opponent. I think Elias, they've had matches together, would be a great opponent. Bray Wyatt or Matt Hardy would be a great opponent. Um, depending on who comes over from SmackDown, like a Baron Corbin type would be a great opponent as well. Um, Samoa Joe when he comes back. Um, maybe for NXT, you know, if Andrade's on Raw, that's a fantastic matchup. Same with Drew McIntyre. So there's tons and tons of options and fresh options at that for Finn Balor um, as Intercontinental Champion. But back to the match. Again, two elite in-ring competitors who create magic every time that they're in there. And The Miz is fantastic as well. Almost like the triple threat with the SmackDown Tag Titles. You're just combining all these elements into what is going to lead to an awesome top-notch killer match. Um, yeah, so, and I don't expect Finn Balor to come out as at WrestleMania as the Demon. There's no need for it even though he's winning, that really has no place in this feud or storyline or whatnot. So, yeah. And, of course, I think the entrances would be kind of cool to see um, between the three. So, yeah. Shout out to this match and what I think will be the best match on the show, this triple threat match in the Continental Championship, and I think Finn Balor takes home the title. Switching over to SmackDown, a match that maybe not as many people were looking forward to before the end the, uh putting Rusev in it. I'm very much looking forward to this match. Uh, we got Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, the Maharaja, Jinder Mahal, and Rusev Day. Rusev in the match for the four-way 
fatal four-way for the U.S. title. Um, I'm looking forward to this match so much. Um, a lot of people don't like him. They have their opinions about him, whatever. But I am a, a big-time stand for Jinder Mahal. He has improved by leaps and bounds since his big-time title run uh, over the summer and fall. He is a good all-around heel. You want to hate him. He can hold his own in the ring at this point. Bobby Roode is fantastic. You want to sing the glorious song. You want to watch him compete. And then Randy Orton's a living legend at this point. And then Rusev, my goodness, Rusev Day is the most popular, fun, over thing in the entire company. You come out, he comes out, who doesn't want to chant Rusev Day? Who doesn't want to get super into it? He's one of the most popular guys in the whole company. Selling merchandise at the levels of guys like Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or John Cena. You have four really unique, cool parts in this match. Um, I'd be stunned if Randy Orton retains his title. It makes no sense for Bobby Roode to win the title, considering he literally just lost it to Orton. You know, he would lose he would lose to Orton and then gain it back. If they were just going to do that, then he would have just held on to the title. Um, Rusev would be a fantastic person to win the U.S. title, but again, I think they really only put him in the match. I again, it's really weird how they've sort of been trying to fight it. But they really only put him in the match based off of just how popular it got to the point that it could not be ignored in the merchandise sales. So I don't see him getting the title either. And I've thought this all along. I think Jinder Mahal is taking the U.S. title. I think he's staying on SmackDown. He'll be the solid heel to sort of anchor the show under the WWE champion. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But Jinder Mahal deserves his WrestleMania moment. And with WWE trying to get the stronghold in India like they did with making him champion and making him a featured star, giving him a big-time WrestleMania moment when so many people from India will be watching WrestleMania on the network, maybe a lot for the first time since they got it because of Jinder Mahal being WWE champion and opening their eyes to it. You give him that WrestleMania moment at winning the U.S. title, it'll be great moving forward, and it'll be a great WrestleMania moment. A lot of people are going to groan and roll their eyes at it, but you got to get over it. Jinder is good. He is improved by leaps and bounds, and just because he's not you know, someone who is perceived to be good does not mean that he is not improved to the point where he is. Simply put, he deserves it. He's going to get the U.S. title there, and it's going to be a really cool moment, and I'm really, really excited for it because how can you not love, well, a lot of people don't, but I'm a huge fan of Jinder Mahal. And again, he deserves it. He has worked tirelessly to get to this point. This is Jinder Mahal's first ever main card WrestleMania match. Would be great for him to win the title in his first one as well. And on top of that, Bobby Roode's first ever WrestleMania. Um, the entrances for this match should be super cool. You know, um, I expect Roode with the glorious, maybe he'll descend from the heavens or come up from the stairs or something or have a choir with him or something. Uh, Jinder will have probably some dancers and maybe um, some pyro and whatnot. His will be grand. Um, Rusev, maybe they'll, as he said on SmackDown, dust off the old tank, bring out the tank entrance for that, and Orton will get his legend killer pyro. So, honestly, the entrances may end up being being better than the actual match, but Jinder Mahal winning the U.S. title is my prediction for the U.S. Championship Fatal 4 at WrestleMania. Now we get into sort of the top four matches on the show. Uh, We'll go with the two tag matches. Uh, let's go to SmackDown. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, all right. There's no better story, occurrence, whatever, in all of wrestling outside of Daniel Bryan being cleared to compete after three years of being uncleared um, due to concussion issues. 
This is one of the most beloved guys ever in recent memory. By far, he is someone who loves pro wrestling, lives in Breeza, and even when he was told he was done and really thought he would never get the chance to wrestle again, kept at it, persevered, and was ultimately cleared. Yeah, there is definitely some influence as far as his contract coming up in in five months and him going to wrestle elsewhere. But again, seeing him throw those kicks, seeing him hit the running drop kicks in the corner, seeing him you know, talking about fighting for his dreams and the whole crowd when asking when he should come back, pointing to WrestleMania sign organically like that. There is a connection to Daniel Bryan that there is to few other wrestlers ever. And to see him persevere and get back to doing what he loves and to return at WrestleMania is a beautiful thing. Um, it really saved this whole Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn storyline because to be honest, you know, it had gone on, it's gone on at this point, you know, Shane and Kevin Owens were beefing last summer and then with Sami Zayn's insertion, it's been like what? Two, four, six months at this point. So it's the logical conclusion to it. Um, I can't believe Shane McMahon's actually wrestling in this match with the um, diverticulitis and umbilical hornea that, or hornea, hernia that he had two weeks ago um so obviously daniel bryan is getting the win here i've seen a lot of people speculating about how oh shane's gonna turn on bryan and screw him and then they're gonna feud and kevin owens and Sami Zayn will be rehired to smackdown that's not gonna happen there's no chance in my mind that they have daniel bryan lose in his first match back at wrestlemania in the superdome the same building that he lost or lost that he won the wwe world heavyweight championship in at wrestlemania 34 years ago He's getting that big win coming back. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn can just go to Raw. It was specifically specified in Shane's promo that they would be fired from SmackDown Live forever this past week. Not all of the company. Um, so Brian gets that big WrestleMania moment coming back, getting the win, wrestling a full match, which is something that in WWE for the last three years, he and everyone else, well, he obviously you know kept going and persevering and getting at it, but a lot of people never thought would happen. So... It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that he's coming back to wrestle, and it's going to be a wonderful moment when he comes out yesing in front of everyone at WrestleMania his first time back in the ring. And it'll be really cool to see what happens moving forward from there because if he's an active competitor, there's so many incredible matches that he could have with so many people on the roster. Just off the top of your head, you know, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, um, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Chad Gable. That that would be awesome. That, that won't happen. That would be a great match. You know, look from NXT. Andrade, Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano. You know, it goes on and on and on. Jason, even Jason Jordan. The Miz. We, How can you not want to see that after the beef that they had over the last year when Miz was on SmackDown? It's amazing that Dan Bryan's come back to wrestle and the matchups are endless afterwards and it all starts here with this great WrestleMania moment for him. So him and Shane McMahon definitely getting the win over Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Moving over to Raw, we have Kurt Angle and the uh, in-ring debut of Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Um, I talked about this on a show a couple weeks ago about um, Ronda not being cheered and what they would have to do to get her cheered and whatnot. You know, I'll admit it, point blank, I was wrong. The crowds are into her. You know, she's improving. Obviously, when she first started, you know, she really couldn't talk. She had no presence about her. Or, I mean, okay, I take that back. She's incredible presence about her, but she had no sort of speaking ability or ability to... Um, you know, not be flat when on the mic and whatnot. Now, you know, she had that nice little line about which arm to break for Stephanie McMahon when she's still, uh, so that she can still sign her checks and whatnot. She's kind of getting that whole like baddest woman of the planet sort of aura, really like getting that through. Even though Stephanie McMahon, the a, a chief brand officer, put UFC dominant 
champion Ronda Rousey, baddest woman on the planet, through a table. But again, it's wrestling. These things happen. Um, every time that they've had segments for this match, it's been kind of cool and kind of a train wreck at the same time. Kurt Angle just cannot speak with these scripted promos. I don't know what it is. He just can't do it. Um, Triple H just gets one over on him every single time, and it's kind of funny. Um, and then Ronda, again, again, it was a bit of a struggle in the beginning, but she's sort of coming to her own a little bit now. Obviously, she's getting the win with the big moment of her tapping out uh, Stephanie uh, with the armbar. You know, it'll get a ton of mainstream buzz, and it'll be her big WrestleMania moment. The match itself, obviously, Kurt and Triple H are going to carry it, considering Ronda's never wrestled before, and Stephanie's not a full-time wrestler, or not a wrestler at all. Um, but Ronda will get in there. She'll get that big tag from Kurt Angle, and she'll get the win over Stephanie by tapping her out, and that's really all there is to it. Um, I think what's more interesting to me is where she goes from here because it's obvious she needs someone to speak for her. It's obvious that she needs someone to, you know, she's had Kurt Angle to kind of bounce off of with promos and whatnot and building the story. If they're going to put her up against, you know, the top-notch competitors in the women's division, she's going to need someone to speak for her. Maybe she gets put, I w- maybe she gets put with Paul Heyman, even though she's been uh, positioned as, the, you know, a big-time smiling, happy-to-be-their baby face, when Paul Heyman is obviously not that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, but she's going to get that win at WrestleMania tapping out Stephanie three years in the making, really, since she didn't do it at WrestleMania 31. Really interested to see how Ronda does. I feel like she's going to surprise a lot of people. Um... You know, Kurt Angle and everyone who's seen her train at the Performance Center have just fawned over her and how great she has been. I don't think she's going to be bad. I think she's going to be pretty solid. I think she's going to be better than a lot of people expect her to be. Um, and I expect her to get that win. Simple as that. And, of course, with this match, with Triple H being there, the big-time Triple H WrestleMania entrance every year, that's one of the biggest things you get to look forward to with WrestleMania is how ridiculously over-the-top his entrance can be. So... That'll be something to look out for this match as well. So Ronda Rousey finally getting the tap, Stephanie McMahon, and get the win there for her and Kurt Angle over Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. This is my prediction for this match. And, you know, something else too with this match, you know, I would like to see Kurt Angle kind of, I'm would. i interested to see what Kurt Angle does because seeing him at Survivor Series and seeing him at TLC, you're watching an incredible shell of himself and you almost like kind of don't, want to see him take a bump or land, whatever, because you feel like he's just going to get hurt. He he just doesn't hold... He, he's obviously older. Obviously been through a ton with his neck injury and whatnot, but there's really not a lot of, like... You know, obviously he was cool at first, but, like, there's not really anything I look at. I don't look forward to watching Kurt Angle wrestle. I don't feel the need for him to wrestle, but we'll see how he does in this match, but maybe that'll hammer home that point, but that's just an observation I've had uh, with him in his last two matches and going into this match. All right, and now the two big-time main event matches for this show, the two world titles. Um, a dream match, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship, and a three-year-in-the-making match rematch of, in my mind, one of the best main events in the history of WrestleMania. An awesome, awesome match. Brock Lesnar defending the title against Roman Reigns. We'll go to AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura first. The story's simple here, right? AJ Styles... He's the best. He's a WWE champion. Shinsuke Nakamura wants to be the best and wants to be WWE champion. They fought each other before. They had mutual respect. Shinsuke won the Royal Rumble. He earned the fight to, right to fight AJ Styles at WrestleMania. So they're going to clash. Simple as that. I like how they've sort of been doing the um, 
thing on um, SmackDown the last two weeks where the two of them really, where Shinsuke could have hit the Kinshasa on AJ, and then AJ could have easily hit the Phenomenal Forearm on Shinsuke, basically letting the other one know, no, you're like, letting the other one know that, you know, basically they can hit their finisher on you at any time. You got to be prepared. And there's really, you know, there hasn't been a lot of like, you know, oh, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, um, we're going to get heated, we're going to brawl. It hasn't had that and it doesn't need it. It's a simple matter of respect. It's a simple matter of proving that you are the best. And it's a dream match, and it's marketed as such, and it is actually that. Their match they had at Wrestle Kingdom a couple years ago was fantastic. Um, Shinsuke got the win over AJ Styles. And putting it on a WWE stage at WrestleMania, that's incredible that it's actually happening at WrestleMania between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura are having a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania. Just let that sink in. That's just absolutely wild. Um, but back to the match. This will be the this will be given an incredible amount of time. It'll be a great match. Um, could easily be the best match on the show. It's probably expected to be. Um, I would hope that AJ Styles wins this match. I'd rather see him continue to be the top top guy on SmackDown with Shinsuke going to Raw. But I think Shinsuke Nakamura is getting the win here. Will get his first ever world title in WWE, becoming the WWE champion, getting the. Victory over AJ Styles, just as he did at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago. Um, yeah, simple as that there. There's not much to get into otherwise with this match because, you know, you know it's a dream match. You know what the story is. You know how great the match is going to be. The whole thing is just anticipating seeing it on a WWE stage because we have never seen that before on a WWE stage and everyone wants to see it. So I think Shinsuke gets the win over AJ Styles and becomes WWE champion moving forward on SmackDown, giving you... Shinsuke is your top champ with Jinder as the U.S. champ and then the Bludgeon Brothers as your tag champs after that. And then we get in to the main event of the show, the deserved main event of the show. Don't let anyone's anyone's foolish, non-substantiated opinion of Roman Reigns tell you differently. Brock Lesnar defending the Universal title against Roman Reigns. Um... Simply, yep. Simply put, um, this match is going to be as close to a real fight as you can possibly get in a WWE ring. At WrestleMania 31, they beat the crap out of each other. They're going to happen the same way at this WrestleMania, and I love how they've really—they basically made this. They've incorporated this storyline. It's entirely, you know, real life turned into a story. You know, Brock Lesnar, the part-time entitled champion who has special privileges. Roman Reigns, the full-time top guy who just. Busted around the world 250, 300, 350 times a year. Um, I've loved how Roman's kind of been outspoken about, you know, his disdain for Brock. I, and they've gotten the crowd. I think it was really impactful to see the whole story here. You know, you had Brock not showing up for a couple weeks because he's entitled to do what he wants. Then he beats up Roman but can only do it when Roman has handcuffs on. Then Roman speaks his mind and Vince tries to subdue him. And they finally get there in that last segment this past week on Raw and it perfectly perfectly encapsulated the entire story. The full-time guy is letting full-time top guy Roman get to part-time uh, entitled champion Brock Lesnar. And then Roman laying into him with the chair. And then Brock just being able to hit one half five and lay him out. You've had Dana White consistently saying Brock Lesnar's coming back to UFC. Brock Lesnar's coming back to UFC. whatnot, whatnot. We know his contract ends right around WrestleMania time. Um, 
So you have real life, you have the story, you have you really have in the, you really have a unique situation here in that you have a guy in Roman Reigns who the crowd is always split on, unjustifiably so, because he's absolutely fantastic and the booing of him really needs to end. And as all those elements of the storyline I just mentioned added up in this segment this past week, the crowd was chanting as Roman got to the ring, walked his way down to the ring in unison, let's go Roman, let's go Roman, let's go Roman. Perfectly, perfectly encapsulate how this storyline makes Roman Reigns universally cheered, deservedly so. Will that last? Of course not. But it, the, the point is, the storyline has worked, it has been successful, and has been the perfect build-up to what is going to be an absolute, as JR would say, slobber knocker. The story you have, you know, three years ago, there was no decisive winner because Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank. At SummerSlam, in the photo four with him, uh, with Roman Braun, Joe, and Brock Lesnar, Braun, or Brock Lesnar hit 1F5 and pinned Roman, and that was it. When Brock Lesnar faced Braun Strowman at No Mercy, 1F5, and that was it. When Brock Lesnar retained at the Royal Rumble, 1F5, and that was it. When Brock Lesnar beat AJ Styles at Survivor Series, 1F5, and that was it. This past week after Roman beat him up with a chair consistently, Brock hits 1F5, lays him out. No one kicks out of the F5. That's been built up at this point for about, you know, nine months. So what ha- or eight nine months? So, you know, in this match, Roman kicks out of the F five. Brock is stunned. They'll have they'll be beating the crap out of each other, and Roman will finally get the victory over Brock to get the Universal Championship, a title that Brock has held hostage for a year as a part time guy, and it's going to be the best possible outcome you could have. The Universal Title needs a top guy to have that title defend on every single pay per view, beyond Raw, week after week after week. Lesnar has been a part-time guy who has shown up. He was on the July pay-per-view, August pay-per-view, September pay-per-view, November, and January. That's it. You need that belt, or excuse me, that title to be there week after week after week and to have the guy as champion being someone in Roman Reigns who has great matches with everyone, is undisputedly the top guy, one of the best all-around performers in the whole world. You need to have him defending that against a wide array of opponents you need to have him having that title week after week, raising its importance. This feud has done what Brock Lesnar and Goldberg's feud did not do, and what Brock Lesnar had being the champion for a year has not done. It's made the Universal title important. Seeing how badly Roman Reigns wants to be the top champion to have it week after week and to have it be on a full-time guy shows you how important the title is. It shows you how the Universal Championship is important. You need to have that title week after week after week, and Roman Reigns is the perfect champion. You could put him against any babyface because the crowd will boom and he can work kind of heelish. You could put him against any heel because he can work great as a babyface. You can put him against someone like Joe, someone like Bobby Lashley, someone like, um, if he comes to Raw, AJ Styles, someone like Shinsuke Nakamura if he came to Raw, someone like Jason Jordan, this annoying, hated heel. You could put him against even a lot, like it won't happen, but Elias would be a, a satisfiable opponent. You could put him against Cena again. You could put him against literally anyone of any alignment on the entire roster and have a great match and a great story around it. Simple as that. As far as Brock Lesnar and what he does after this, I think that Dana White has kind of, you know, the picture where he didn't show up to Raw and Dana White tweeted a picture with Brock Lesnar, obviously was done for storyline purposes. You've had Dana White yesterday on Fox Sports 1, you know, explicitly state Brock Lesnar's coming back to the UFC after Sunday. 
You've had Paul Heyman on Raw talk about how Brock is going to go back to the Octagon. He was on the phone in the Backstage segment this week talking about the Brocktagon. We've heard that his contract is coming up after WrestleMania. There was a report that it was maybe come up in August, but no one really knows for sure. Um, I do think that... I don't think he's going to be gone immediately after WrestleMania. I think he will be on the Raw after WrestleMania, even though him and Paul Heyman said that they won't see him again on Raw if he loses the Universal Championship, which he's going to do. I think he shows up on Monday Night Raw... I think he gets destroyed by Bobby Lashley debuting on Raw, um, or re-debuting on Raw. And then Lesnar can serve the last six months of his suspension by USADA, and then he can fight again in the late fall or early 2019. I initially thought that Lesnar was probably going to stay and be re-signed, but at this point, with how they've done the storyline, with how Paul and Brock have um, consistently said they won't show up if he loses, with how the UFC has been outspoken about him coming back with the whole storyline about him being this, uh, you know, entitled part-timer. It all adds up to this being Brock's last big-time WrestleMania match with Roman being the one to finally conquer Brock Lesnar as he should be. Simple as that. Roman Reigns is the guy. He is the guy to dethrone Brock Lesnar and conquer him once and for all. Um, And there's no better way to do it than have them just beat the crap out of each other in this big-time WrestleMania main event with the storyline that they've done. It's a deserved WrestleMania main event. It's going to be a great WrestleMania main event, just as it was three years ago. Even if it was this, a very similar style of match where Lesnar beats the crap out of Roman and Roman, you know, takes it, takes it, takes it, and comes back, that's fine because it worked last time. It'll work this time. If you have issue with Roman Reigns becoming Universal Champion or main eventing WrestleMania for the uh, fourth year in a row at this point, get over it. He's the undisputed top guy, and he deserves to be in the spot. He is not in that spot because he was just put there. He's in that spot because every week, great match. Every feud, it works. He consistently delivers every single time, has a banger of a match, and gets the biggest reaction every single show. There's no better guy to have as the top guy in the company than Roman Reigns. Simple as that. The four WrestleMania main events in a row are deserved. And you know what? Have him hold the title for a whole year. Really have him beat all comers. Now have him beat Bobby Lashley. Have him beat Samoa Joe. Have him beat... Uh, have him beat Jason Jordan. Have him beat AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura, whichever one comes to Raw. You know, have him beat... You know, let's say that Drew McIntyre came to Raw from NXT. Have him beat Drew McIntyre. Have him beat anyone of significance for a year. Just have him beat any challenger. Hold it for a year. Build him up even more to be this, you know, unbeatable champion who really values and realizes the importance of the Universal title. And then at WrestleMania 35, he can main event WrestleMania after defending the title for a whole year, really raising the uh, the profile of the title against someone like a Braun Strowman, a match that should that could have been the Universal title match this year or last year and should be a WrestleMania main event at some point. Keep them apart from each other from a whole for a whole year, have Roman beat all comers, have Braun win the Royal Rumble, and have them main event WrestleMania next year for the Universal title Two top full-time guys fighting over the prestigious title that will become such as a result of Roman defending it against all challengers in the way that he will for an entire year. Roman Reigns becoming Universal Champion in the main event of WrestleMania is my prediction. And that concludes the entire WrestleMania card there. Um, as far as NXT TakeOver on Saturday night, I'll just quickly go through my predictions for that. Uh, I think Shayna Baszler takes the women's title from Ember Moon. 
I think the Undisputed Era retain the tag titles. Um, I think that EC3 wins a ladder match, become the first ever North American champion. I think ja, I think Tommaso Ciampa defeats Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano comes up to the main roster, and Tommaso Ciampa becomes the number one contender eventually to face the new world champion Aleister Black at the next takeover in June. So then for my prediction there, I think Aleister Black becomes the NXT champion by defeating Andrade Cien Almas, who comes up to the main roster, and he's got to be pushed as this monstrously big megastar because anything... Alberto Del Rio was made out to be this big, enormous star because he was um, a Latin star, right? Andrade Cialmas is better than Alberto Del Rio ever was in the ring. He's young. He looks great. He has a fantastic manager. He's a total package. This guy is going to be a massive, massive superstar. And just getting into a little more detail on the tag title match um, with Adam Cole pulling double duty, I think, obviously, the authors of Pain will come to the main roster after that match. I think, um, I think... Roderick Strong turns on Pete Dunne and joins the Undisputed Era. Adam Cole is too big of a star to become a tag team guy. I think Strong becomes the tag team partner of Kyle O'Reilly, and Cole continues to be one of the top singles guys on NXT. And then going to EC3 for North American Championship, literally the, the sight of EC3 and his presentation and his entrance and everything about him just exudes star. He's a fantastic promo, fantastically charismatic. He's in ring, in ring, he's average, but he is a total, total star. And there's no, at this, of the six guys in the match, you know, I love Adam Cole, but I think it's EC3 is the right guy to become North American champion. He kind of has to win that match. With the incredible presentation he had coming out, um, make his debut and whatnot, he's got to become the North American champion. So EC3... My prediction to win the North American Championship. Those are my six predi- or five predictions for NXT TakeOver. Um, and those were my 14 predictions for WrestleMania. And that will conclude this week's episode of After the Final Whistle here on WSOE 89.3 FM, Elon Burlington, or if you're listening later after the fact on podcast.com. I am your host, Brad Clear. Tune in to WrestleMania this Sunday. Pre-show starting at 5, main show starting at 7 on the award-winning WWE Network. And take and you know get it before then. Watch NXT Takeover on Saturday night as well. Um, WWE is in a golden age right now, to the point where the roster is so deep that John Cena doesn't even doesn't even need to have an announced WrestleMania match, and is still a stacked card. This is a golden age. If you don't enjoy it, and if you watch the product and don't enjoy it, then you probably just shouldn't even be watching it at all. And if you don't watch it, but you kind of have a little bit of interest, or you've fallen out of watching wrestling. Come back into it. This is a golden age, main roster-wise, ta- whole roster-wise, NXT, main roster, talent-wise, match quality-wise, storyline-wise, everything. It is a golden age. WrestleMania 34 this Sunday, I think, on paper, as a card, is one of the best ever, and I think if it executes as it should, will be the best show, best WrestleMania of all time. So that will conclude this week's show. I'm Brad Clear, and after the final whistle, um, here on WSOE 89.3 FM, or on podcast.com. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night, or whenever you're listening to it. And as always, goodbye and good night.